0: We're making our way through this spectacular book in the Old Testament. We come now to a sermon that I titled, Is Bacon on the Menu? Is Bacon on the Menu? Now, when you came in this morning, what did you smell? Bacon. Now, how did I do that? How did that happen? I don't know, and we'll find out. Is Bacon on the Menu? The answer is, yes, it is. But how? And what does that mean? What what connections can we see from this? So Leviticus 11 this morning, verses 1 through 47. And we find ourselves in this very fascinating uh, situation. We're, we're studying the Old Testament law, in particular this morning, the, um, the, the dietary restrictions of the kosher food that God assigned his chosen people, the Israelites, to, to, to practice. But we're reading this and studying this together as new covenant believers we are not under this law and yet these 47 verses carry significance for us so our task today is not to place ourselves back under the yoke of of the law which is that would be fruitless there's nothing of value there for us but but what can we gain from these verses and we know in 2 timothy three sixteen that all scripture Is inspired by God and it's profitable for us as we study for learning and growing and and really maturing in the Lord to equip us for every good work and so these verses matter as do the rest of the verses of Leviticus there are things that we can learn about God things that we are to learn about what it looks like to be his people as we study these today so let's pray as we dive into these verses and uh, and we'll get a start here together Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the confidence that we have as we come to it, that there is all kinds of benefit here for us. We thank you for the, 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 the promised spirit who is present with us right now. And, and as we study opening our eyes and landing these words in our lives and in a way that is helpful and growing and transforming of our lives from the inside out. Ultimately, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whom all of this comes together. The pinpoint of of, of that crescendo is the cross of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And so we celebrate the gospel as we study these verses today, as your people, by grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, what I'd like to do is just move through these verses and... uh, I've broken them up, you see on the back of your bulletin there, kind of the outline that I'm going through. I want to study for a bit the menu of holiness. The menu of holiness. Let's look at these verses, they're fascinating verses. I'm going to have the ESV audio read for us, and uh, just follow along in
1: your Bible as, as we go. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, These are the living things that you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever parts the hoof, and is cloven footed, and chews the cud among the animals, you may eat. Nevertheless, among those that chew the cud or part the hoof, you shall not eat these. The camel, because it chews the cud, but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the rock badger, because it chews the cud, but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the hare, because it chews the cud, but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the pig, because it parts the hoof, and is cloven-footed, but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. These you may eat of all that are in the waters. Everything in the waters that has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, you may eat. But anything in the seas or the rivers that does not have fins and scales, of the swarming creatures in the waters, and of the living creatures that are in the waters, is detestable to you. You shall regard them as detestable, you shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall detest their carcasses. Everything in the waters that does not have fins and scales is detestable to you. And these you shall detest among the birds, they shall not be eaten, they are detestable. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of any kind, every raven of any kind, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl, the cormorant, the short-eared owl, the barn owl, the tawny owl, the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe and the bat. All winged insects that go on all fours are detestable to you. Yet among the winged insects that go on all fours, you may eat those that have jointed legs above their feet, with which to hop on the ground. Of them you may eat the locust of any kind, the bald locust of any kind, the cricket of any kind, and the grasshopper of any kind.
0: All right. There we go. Isn't that interesting? That's that's some fascinating stuff happening there. And uh, so I... I got Cameron up here today. He's he's working on something over here. A little bit in the background as we go. But uh, I was just, oh. Oh, he's not going to do that, is he? Oh, he's going to do that. I hope he had breakfast. The first service, they were dying. I was struck as I was reading these verses. God is the creator of all of these animals. He He knows them better than any scientist could ever know them he knows every single part it's his design that is in view so when you consider all of these 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 animals that are mentioned this is clean this is acceptable this is not this is detestable we've got to go back to the very beginning and ask ourselves a question well why why is this because at the very beginning god created these animals he brought them before Adam. Adam named them, right? We're talking about beautiful, God-honoring, God-glorifying animals. And God looks upon all that he has made and says, "Behold, it is not just good, but very good." So, we're not looking at animals and saying, "Oh, that's, you know, that's kind of a lame animal. Don't don't go near that or that that animal just doesn't measure up. It doesn't make the cut." No. These are creations of God. They do as he wired them up to do. Now, they've been through the fall, right? We've seen that. Genesis 3 has drastically impacted the the created order. Uh, It's under the curse. And so it's different than the original creation. But still, there is obedience and uh, God-honoring glory that happens in the existence of all of these animals. For instance, the hoopoe. I know you wanted to know about this. Who, who has ever heard or seen a hoopoe before? Anyone? I haven't. And so, Nathan, you've seen the hoopoe. We don't have these around here. Um, and in fact, they're actually quite, quite hard to find uh, in the places where they live. They're, they're, they're rare. There's one uh, part of the species that's completely extinct already. This is a cool animal. God created a bird with a mohawk. I mean, we're talking that is an attitude bird if there ever was one. And the reason it's named a hoopoe, um, they say, is because of the noise it makes. It makes a whoop, like like a really distinct whoop. Uh, cool. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. You can't eat that bird. You wouldn't get much anyway if you tried. There's not a lot of meat on that bird. But why that bird? What, what is it about the hoopoe that put it on the blacklist? God said, no, you can't eat that of, of the birds. It's an interesting thing. He's choosing. You see, you've got some animals, land animals, who have a split hoof, uh, but they don't chew the cud. Can't eat that. But if, 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 if an animal chews the cud, but doesn't have a split hoof, well, you can't eat that either. But you can eat the ones that chew the cud and have a split hoof. Why? Well, I mean, It's a fascinating thing to consider. So you've got land animals, water animals, and and flying creatures of all kinds, insects and birds, these general categories that he operates in. Detailed distinctions given, and we're talking, this is hard work. You have to apply yourself. You have to pay close attention to the the commandments and and all of the details of this. You've got to study the animals. Okay, now wait a second, uh, does this fall into the 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 four-legged creature with ankles above the legs okay you can eat that locusts crickets grasshoppers dip them in chocolate go for it it's good but all the other swarming things no it's out that's fascinating three categories boy that smells good cam you're doing a good job up there i will say i i i tested this out yesterday morning and uh, we just wanted to make sure it would work. So you know, just sample your sermon illustrations just to make sure that's good bacon. That's really good stuff. Three categories, clean, unclean, and detestable. Detestable. You are not to come in contact with these unclean animals. If so, you are made unclean. You are not come to come in contact with the detestable. Otherwise, you will be viewed as detestable, Uh, tarnished. You take upon uh, the, 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 the lack of cleanliness of that animal upon yourself. Why is this such a big deal? Well, some say that this is all about health, right? We're talking about some scavengers and that kind of thing. Maybe it's about health and hygienic reasons. If that is the case, I don't believe it is, but if it is, why in the New Testament is it not unloving for God to lift the restrictions? You see what I'm saying? If this was love and, and provision and grace for his people in the wilderness and, and uh, his chosen people in the Old Testament, and, and if it was that alone, then why would it change in the New Testament? It would have to be unloving of God to do that, to, to pull the restrictions. Then I just don't believe that it has as much to do with the actual food or animals themselves, as much as it has to do with the theology, the relationship of our interacting with this list, either engaging it and seeking to obey it, or pushing it off and saying, I don't care, I'm not going to pay attention to it. So I would say, and I would agree with most of the commentators on this, this list this entire chapter is primarily a theological treatise not so much about eat healthy and that kind of thing we're saying we should eat healthy right i'm not saying you can't avoid certain foods or meats or whatever but i think primarily here this is not commanding us to eat the perfect diet and you're going to be healthy and all of that for example daniel when he stood out for eating what god had commanded Why was that? Well, he was obeying God, but he was healthier ultimately not because of the food, but because of the God who blessed his obedience to give him his health, just like Joseph in Egypt. God blesses and gives grace in special ways, and sometimes he does that through these acts of obedience. So I think it's helpful for us to see that there are large groups of people that still think that we should operate under these restrictions. And I would say wholeheartedly, the New Testament lifts that completely. The the work of Christ fulfills the law. The ceremony is finished. We are in freedom, not under the law. So let's continue on now, 23 through 43, defilement and cleansing.
1: But all other winged insects that have four feet are detestable to you and by these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening, and whoever carries any part of their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Every animal that parts the hoof, but is not cloven-footed, or does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Everyone who touches them shall be unclean. And all that walk on their paws among the animals that go on all fours are unclean to you. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening, and he who carries their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. They are unclean to you. And these are unclean to you among the swarming things that swarm on the ground, the mole-rat, the mouse, the great lizard of any kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that swarm. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until the evening. And anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean, whether it is an article of wood, or a garment, or a skin, or a sack, any article that is used for any purpose. It must be put into water, and it shall be unclean until the evening, then it shall be clean. And if any of them falls into any earthenware vessel, all that is in it shall be unclean, and you shall break it. Any food in it that could be eaten On which water comes shall be unclean and all drink that could be drunk from every such vessel shall be unclean and everything on which any part of their carcass falls shall be unclean whether oven or stove it shall be broken in pieces they are unclean and shall remain unclean for you nevertheless a spring or a cistern holding water shall be clean but whoever touches a carcass in them shall be unclean And if any part of their carcass falls upon any seed grain that is to be sown, it is clean. But if water is put on the seed and any part of their carcass falls on it, it is unclean to you. And if any animal which you may eat dies, whoever touches its carcass shall be unclean until the evening. And whoever eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. And whoever carries the carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Every swarming thing that swarms on the ground is detestable, it shall not be eaten. Whatever goes on its belly, and whatever goes on all fours, or whatever has many feet, any swarming thing that swarms on the ground, you shall not eat, for they are detestable. You shall not make yourselves detestable with any swarming thing that swarms, and you shall not defile yourselves with them and become unclean through them. Okay. So
0: a lot of commands, a lot of uh, issues about, okay, what do we do? If, what, what if we come in contact with an animal? What if all of a sudden something falls into our, 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 our pot of water? Well, that is now unclean, all of its contents, and the pot itself is to be shattered. This is serious stuff. I mean, it was requiring of constant attention. The reason it's a big deal is because it would defile you. It would make you unclean before the Lord, right? You, the, the whole of Israel's goal day after day is to be in right relationship with the God who is literally dwelling in their midst. This pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire, he is there. And they are keenly aware that he is commanded, we are to obey. And we are to care uh, for all of these things because the last thing we want is any separation or any barrier that would prevent us from worshiping him, from bringing sacrifices and experiencing the covering for our sins. And so they worked hard at these things ultimately because it was about relationship with God. That was what was on the line, clean, unclean, defiled, detestable want to be close with him, unimpeded in our worship and our walk as we go through these things. And it's interesting how we can see some common ground, right, as believers, as we think about this in our walk, in our worship, in our daily lives. I was just struck as I thought about food this week, you know, three meals a day, that's a lot of work. It, everybody's like, yeah, we know. I mean, it, you've got to shop, you've got to cook, you've got to eat it, and then you've got to clean up. But think, what if the Lord made us to eat just like once a day? Think of all the time we'd had on our hands. What would we do with ourselves? Or just once a week, even. What, he could have done that. But He made us so that we would eat breakfast and lunch and dinner, and that would be a balanced uh, experience throughout the day. So you wake up hungry and you can't just grab whatever you feel like. You are to acknowledge God. In that hunger, you are to say, okay, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to acknowledge you. What have you commanded? In the morning, at the noonday, and in the evening. This was a constant work that they were given to. It required daily vigilance. It One entire family unit could be made unclean if something slipped off the shelf. Again, this is porous uh, communities and, and buildings and tents. It's not sealed up like our homes, right? Sprayed for spiders and all that. What if something falls into your jug and you don't see it and you all drink from it and then you find it, you're all unclean. You've got to go through the procedures. Daily vigilance. It is good for us to consider, as we are called as well, to walk in holiness, to deal similarly with sin. Where is it? Where can we spot it? Not if, but where? How do we address it? What do we do for cleansing when we spot sin in our lives and seek to repent of it and turn from it? Praise the Lord that we have the mechanism of cleansing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is daily, friends, daily for the believer. Now, the goal of God's menu, I think the most significant verses come at the end of this chapter that help explain the purpose of this. What is this all about? And we address these verses a little bit at the, at the very beginning of our series. It's kind of the, the theme for all of Leviticus. The goal of God's menu. Let me read 44 here. 4. Do all of these things for or because I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. He goes on. This is the law about beast and bird and every living creature that moves through the waters and every creature that swarms on the ground to make distinction between the unclean and the clean, between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creature that may not be eaten. It's interesting to consider how this comes together. God has his chosen people. He comes to deliver them out of the land of Egypt. He brings them up into freedom in the wilderness where his presence comes into their midst. This is huge. And then he says, this is how you are to be my people. To walk upright in obedience before me and to be set apart from all the other nations. I am calling you out of the practices of Egypt. 400 years, just imagine how much you would pick up of culture and inclination 400 years of their thoughts of their pagan practices of their feasts and the value of their food systems he says none of that this is the menu now right and then think about uh how this unfolds oh i got ahead of myself let me let's go to this two things as it relates to these commands number one submission to sovereignty that's what's in view. First and foremost, right out of the gate, here is the menu. Practice it. What if you're in the camp and you've been in Egypt and you've got a, a love for bacon, right? What, what if you're just like, yeah, but, but I like bacon, God. I mean, really? You changed the menu on me. And God's like, yeah, I did. I can do that. Listen to how he says it. I... I am the Lord, Yahweh, your God. It's me. I am the sovereign over my people. What I say goes. Does God have the right to change the menu? Absolutely he does. He has every right over his people. He is the redeemer. He is the sovereign in our lives. Friends, we've got to remember this. We don't just follow our instincts. We don't just follow our appetites. We are to follow God. We are to follow God, to obey Him as the sovereign in our lives. This translates, doesn't it? It comes from Leviticus 11 to Good Shepherd Community Church right here today in the gospel. Our freedom is not a license To sin. Listen to how Paul says this. Do you not know, believers, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own Christian. Your life does not belong to you anymore. You're God's, right? You, believer, you were bought with a price. What was the price? We just focused upon that in the Lord's Supper. The body of Christ. Lifted up, given in my place. The blood of Jesus Christ shed. The ransom price was in blood. It should have been me. He died in my place. He's saying this. it's, It's almost the same echo. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I ransomed you with the precious blood of my beloved Son. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Your body is God's. It's a, it's, a, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are to obey Him and please Him in the way that we walk in this life. It has everything to do with submission to His sovereignty. You got it done, Cam? Good job, man. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to just pass that around? I don't think I'm going to do that, but see me afterwards. I might have a piece of bacon for you. Mainly was going for the smell. You can smell that? Okay, that's good. That's good. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. It's about submission, isn't it? It's about obedience. He is my sovereign. I am his happy servant. Lead the way, Lord. Command what you will. Lead on. Where are we going? What is the menu? I'll take it. I serve you. Not the other way around. There's some churches in our day that think that that's reverse. God is there to serve us. We just decide what we want and and rub the lamp, and then he does what we want. That's not how it works. He is sovereign. We serve him. Second, it's both submission to sovereignty, but it's also separation from the Gentiles. In this context, they, he is separating them out from all these nations, especially from Egypt. 400 years of this instinct in this culture and this, well, I kind of like this. I, I like this flavor. I like that. Nope, not anymore. Here's the menu. Look at how it, it carries through this. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. There's a separation. Uh, be set apart. Come out from them. Don't follow the nations Follow the Lord. So whether they are being pulled from the fire out of Egypt and brought into the desert to obey him or in the conquest, I mean, fast forward, look at all these empires, look at the distinctiveness of Israel as they go into a pagan land and conquer and then establish communities. Do not marry in with these people. Do not mix in with their culture, with their pagan practices. Don't participate in their feasts. Be faithful to the Lord. Be distinct. And then, think of the Assyrian Empire. I mean, you go through the history, and the Babylonian, and the Persian, even up to the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire. This would have been tremendously separating for the people of God when you have somebody over to your house who has a lot of dietary restrictions, you have to work to try to make sure that that what you're going to eat works with what they're able to eat, right? You have to work at this. Just imagine in this context how distinct it would be. Well, come, come with us to this pagan festival. No, 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 I'm, I'm his, I'm his. That's not, I don't roll that way. I follow him. Well, here, just I was, I was cooking some extra bacon this morning. had a little leftover, neighbor. Here, this is for you. I can't eat that. Thank you, though. I, that's not on the menu. See what I mean? Dan, think Daniel. At the king's table, right? Daniel, I, I can't eat the king's food. I'm going to stick with obeying the Lord. I, I'm going to stick with the menu that I have from him. God blessed his obedience in that. It set him apart. He stood out. That's the whole point. Stand out. Obey the Lord and be distinct from all the pagan nations all around. This continued all the way up into the Roman Empire when Jesus arrived on the scene. I was thinking of how Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. And this is where it meets us. This example of, of separation. What portion, Paul says, Does a believer share with an unbeliever? So he's addressing believers here. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, you see the the handoff? If that's true, go out from their midst. Be separate from them. Be distinct, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. This is New Testament, friends. This is gospel, uh, you know, filtered commands for us, for holiness, for obedience. Like Paul would say, just as we studied in Ephesians this last week, what fellowship has light with darkness, right? Once you were darkness, Christian, before you met Christ, you were dark, You were, not not you had, but you were. It was the substance of your soul. But through the gospel of Jesus Christ, now you are light. So shine. Don't run back to the dark. Be holy as he is holy. It's so significant for us. I I drove past a sign on the way to church today. Brand new sign, beautiful. Tin and wood. And and the, the lettering on the sign was painted in black. The problem is is it's not enough contrast. It blends in with the wood. You can't read a single thing as you drive past. And I thought to myself, those poor folks, they put all that work and time into that sign. No one is going to read a single thing as they pass at 40 miles an hour. What do they need? Contrast. They need white on the wood, not black. That's us. That's that's his call for us. Walk holy in this world of darkness so you will shine shine the righteousness and purity of the god you represent now the coming of christ and your christmas ham have you ever thought about this i just was struck with this we celebrate christmas many of us with with a ham this is not an in your face right to the old testament saints this is not like hey check it out we can do this now no but it does connect, doesn't it? There is a massive change in the menu with the arrival of the the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament anticipation. Jesus changes the menu. So we're not under the law anymore. Listen to this in Mark 7. Jesus is teaching and he's, he's addressing the Pharisees and their legalism. And he says, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. And then Mark adds this note. This is fascinating. Thus, he, Jesus, declared all foods clean. Now, for a Jewish audience, that like you're falling out of your chair when you say, Are you kidding me? We got a new menu. This is like a completely different restaurant. Our lives just got a lot easier. He went on to say this, though. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. Not what goes in, but what comes out. For from within, out of the heart, underline, underline, out of the heart, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. What's he addressing here? That he's addressing what was being missed by the Pharisees, that all their focus was exterior. Well, I don't eat lobster, I've never had shrimp, right? I'm not big on crab, can't do it. I, I obey the Lord. What about your heart? Hard, cold. Outward performance was never the goal. God was calling people from the heart to obedience to him. And Jesus was ruthless in the gospels to draw attention to these things. In fact, there's another place where Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. And he says, listen, you guys, you work so hard to strain out a gnat. Remember this? So on their cisterns, their water jugs, they would have cloths that would cover them because you can't have bugs dying in there, then you got to break the pot and start all over, which maybe is why there's so much pottery in Israel. It's just struck. I got a lot in of my office. Maybe it was, you know, bugs that did that. I don't know. So you, you cover it with a cloth, but then when you pour it, you have to strain it to make sure that nothing you're pouring would get into your favorite cup and, and, and then defile all of that. So they're straining and pouring and working so hard. You can't have a gnat in there. Don't let any bugs in. And Jesus is like, you work so hard to strain out a gnat. And then you swallow a camel. See what he's saying? You missed the point. It's about sin. It's about the heart. This is to reveal how significant, how important, how much focus and attention it requires to hunt down sin in your life. Daily vigilance required. Then there was Peter in Acts. He was in the town of Joppa, which is one of the first stops on our Israel tour. So amazing to be able to sit there and think. This is where Peter was looking out over the Mediterranean. He was on a housetop, uh, and he was dying hungry. It was the sixth hour of the day. Uh, he, He came to pray. He was hungry. While he was waiting for it to be prepared, maybe they were having a hard time getting it cooked quickly, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles. Can you see that bacon? Oh, my goodness. And birds of the air. They're coming down. Just imagine Peter, a faithful Jew, faithful Jew. And there came a voice to him, and it said this, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Oh, by by no means, Lord. So he knows this is the Lord communicating to him. By no means, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Look at the level of detail that Peter has pursued in his obedience to God. A faithful Jew. I've never had bacon. Bacon. I'm not supposed to eat that. That's unholy. And then the Lord spoke again, a second time, and said, What God has made clean, do not call common. Well, we know how the story unfolds. Peter then went down and received a call from Cornelius, where he actually went then into the home of a Gentile, which was total taboo for a Jew. But because of this vision and the declaration that these things are clean now, he went in, shared the gospel, and God saved Gentiles in his firsthand interaction. He watched God do what he totally didn't expect was going to happen. And it happened around food. Isn't that interesting? I want you to imagine Peter having that first bite of bacon. You won't forget that. Hmm. Jesus changes everything, including the menu. We are so blessed. 10,000 reasons to celebrate the work of Christ. Here's one tiny little one. Bacon. Right? For real. The gospel accomplishes the opening of the door of all kinds of flavors that we can celebrate to the glory of God. Lobster, crab, shrimp, bacon. Now, I'm not going to eat the hoopoe still. I just, there's just not enough meat on that little guy. Jesus changes everything. So how do we apply this then to our lives, friends? How do we land this in our lives this morning? I mean, ultimately, it's not about bacon. That's just the illustration, right? You smell that flavor. By God's grace, praise the Lord. We can eat bacon. But it points us back to verses like this. I, I just am struck by this in First Peter, for example. As obedient children, look at the focus. That's believers. As obedient children, to a father who has called us to holiness, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance when you lived in the dark, right? But as he who called you is holy, so you are to be holy in all your conduct. It's a comprehensive life commission, holiness. Since it is written, and he goes back to our passage right here, Leviticus 11, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You see how Peter was, was bridging the gap for believers? It is a comprehensive lifestyle of obedience joyful submission, and the pursuit of holiness. Not to earn salvation, but to show gratitude to the one who saved and to represent him in this world. Paul said it this way, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that's fairly comprehensive, isn't it? Do all to the glory of God. So friends, when you wake up in the morning, there is a way to sip That coffee to the glory of God, to acknowledge Him. There's a way to have bacon and eggs to the glory of God. Praise God for that. All of this through the gospel, all of it through Christ, our Savior. Salvation in Jesus Christ is the work of God, He meets us in our tomb. Right? He calls us to life like Lazarus was dead in the grave. It is the proclamation of the gospel in conjunction with the power of the Holy Spirit that makes dead people live. Come forth and we obey. We come, dead men and women, come to life when God is pleased to raise them from the dead. And what we do is we repent of our sins. We look to Jesus and we see glory. We see a Savior. We turn from sins We run to him with all our might and faith and repentance. One of the things we always connect here at this church is not just that Jesus is Savior, but that he is Lord. He is Lord. These go together, never separate. To see him as Savior is to, to embrace him as king, to bow before him, to obey him, to delight in obeying him, to submit to him in everything. I am yours. You redeemed me. You brought me out of Egypt. You made me alive from my slavery to sin. Lead me on. Right? Your will. Not my will. Then sanctification and holiness. We are called to be separate. We are called to come out from the dark and to be light. To shine in a dark world. To testify to the holiness of God. Be holy. As I, the Lord, am holy. That is the call for every believer. And it is a vigilant work to identify, spot, take that sin captive, call it what it is, confess it, lay it at the foot of the cross, delight in provision and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and then obey. That's every day. Every hour. Every minute. It would be like the menu, only a thousand times more focused. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have this work that convicts us of sin from inside and calls us to holiness. I love that rather than dividing the nations away, these are my people. Don't be like the pagans, that th- these are my chosen people. Now we have a uniting of the nations in Jesus Christ, right? Some from every nation, tribe, and tongue coming together around Christ. And when we come together, just think, the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. What are we going to do? When he brings some from every nation, tribe, and tongue together, we are going to feast. I want you to imagine the flavors of that meal. Real food, friends, real food. Amazing flavor like you've never imagined. All of it to the glory of our King who saved us we will feast together in glory. It's an amazing thing. The gospel has accomplished far more than we could ever imagine. But one of the things that we smell today is that because of Jesus Christ and the freedom we have, bacon's back on the menu. It's a small thing, but it's glorious. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we give praise to you and thanks for the love which you have loved us in sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for 10 million things you've accomplished in this amazing work. For the simplification of our relationship with you such that we can come through Christ and know that the work is finished. We don't have to live in, in this complex nature of, of menu and 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 sacrificing and all of these things, but that we have a finished work in Jesus Christ. That we can know that we are yours with confidence that we are accepted because he said it is finished. We thank you that you have called us to holiness, but not left us without the, uh, the ability to do it. You have given us freedom over the power of sin. You have set us free from our slavery, and then you have put in us the power of your Holy Spirit to lead us in righteousness. You've given us your word, O oh God, to call us forward. Now, Lord, use us this week to shine in the dark. I pray that we would be totally submitted to you, happy and obedient children, seeking to please you and walk with you and delight in you and keep anything from impeding that relationship, that intimacy hunting and killing sin in the power of the gospel, seeking to vivify, to make visible the glory of our Savior Jesus, whose name we carry to the ends of the earth. Lord, use us to shine bright in this dark world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.